respective location. God. I'm going to continue from where I uh, taught from last week on shame and um, I'm going to go to the book of Isaiah chapter number 60. Isaiah, oh, you know what? Hold on just a moment. I have, I had several things going here. Give me just a quick minute. I had several sets of notes going and I have, I believe it's Isaiah, actually brother, Isaiah 61. I'm going to go to Isaiah 61, I'm sorry. Um, Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For your shame, ye shall have double. Praise God. Just use this for a launching pad tonight. Um, 
of what the Lord wants to do for his people uh, throughout the Old Testament. Now, this is somewhere around 800 years before uh, the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's Isaiah 61 that Jesus goes into the synagogue, picks up the scroll and begins to read that day. Isaiah 61 lays it down and says, this is the day that this is fulfilled in your ears. This is the passage that he read from. But what is taking place here in the Old Testament, here in, in the book of Isaiah, uh, is the prophecy about the people of God and ultimately about revival and the harvest of the Gentiles into the church. And with the regathering of the people of Israel into the land of Israel, throughout their backsliding and their, their failing of their, how they failed God and they turned and they, and they worshiped idols, Brother Lockwood made a statement when he was uh, preaching a few Sunday nights ago that I've just kind of chewed on for a little bit and it's very simple, but uh, they, the, the Jewish people, God's people, they served God as long as the king did. And when the king didn't, then they didn't. Uh, and when you kind of think of it in those terms, um, you, you know, we, we want to live for God, we want to please God, we want to serve God. But when we fail God, we often battle. The first thing that we battle or struggle with is the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden is guilt and shame, condemnation. We hide. These, these folks, God's people, God's people would serve God when the king served God and they wouldn't serve God when the king wouldn't serve God. Now that sounds kind of like, I mean, surely there had to be, I'm thinking in my mind, somebody, surely there had to be somebody in the land of Israel that said, I don't care what the king's doing or not doing, I'm going to live for God. But we saw how the high places were raised up or the uh, idols and the, the, uh, uh, the, the temples and, and all that stuff for idol worship would be raised up in the land of Israel after a king would decide to turn away from God and serve other idols and serve other gods. And throughout the land of Israel, it would happen. But throughout this cycle, they would, uh, they would serve God for a period of time, 40 years, 80 years, 60 years, whatever, and then, then they would fall into to backsliding. They would, they would serve God as long as that king did, and then when he passed and somebody else came on the scene, they would backslide, and it, it was a cycle over and over. But God begins to prophesy, prophesy through Isaiah that God was going to do a work in his people. And the one thing he says as they would be regathering and as, as they would come back together and ultimately um, as the church age would approach and, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would happen and the Spirit of God would be made available to the Gentiles, to the heathen, uh, that he was going to do a work in them. He was going to bring them back together even though they had transgressed and they had fallen away from God. He begins to give them promises about themselves even though they were not walking with God like they should walk with God. That's how much God loves his people is even though they uh, were in a backslidden state and they, and they were back and forth, back and forth, 
uh, and they live this way. God loves his people, and he looked forward to restoring them, and he gives them a promise in verse number 7. It says, for your shame ye shall have double. When they, when they walked away from God, when they rebelled against God, the natural uh, uh, emotions and all of the things that go along with sin would happen to them as well. They would, they would be ashamed. They would feel condemned. They would feel as though uh, they couldn't come back to God. And all of the same emotions that you and I feel when we fail God, as a nation, they felt this. And God begins to give them promises of what he's going to do for them. And he's going to lift their shame. It is not the will of God for God's people to live under the shame of their past. It's not the will of God for that to happen. God wants to lift the shame of every mistake you've ever made, every wrong choice, even though you knew what you were doing when you did it, even though it may have just been beyond what you thought you would have done. God wants to lift the shame off of his people. And not only does he want to lift your shame, he wants to give you a reward in the place of your shame. Praise God. Shame, this is what Satan takes advantage over every downfall, over every sin, over every wrong decision, over every wrong cycle that you have found yourself in. Satan jumps in and he talks uh, uh, to somebody that has that has fallen and, and he, he, he begins to heap on the condemnation and begins to speak against you and begins to tell you how worthless you are and how, how bad you are and how you shouldn't have done this and all of the negativity that snowballs in your spirit when you fall into sin or you don't do what you should do and all of that stuff and God knows this so God gives his people a promise because he knows who the accuser of the brethren is and it's just a way for God to rub it in the face of the devil that his children can be redeemed and that they come, can come back to God. And not only can they come back to God, but they don't have to live with the shame of their mistakes and the shame of their past and the condemnation of, of everything that they did. God not only wants to lift your shame from you, but he wants you to know tonight that he wants to give you a promise, a promise of a reward of blessing of double for all of the shame that you encountered and that you carried in your life. God knows, God knows how much shame you have carried on your shoulders and how it has felt like a million pounds every day and how you felt embarrassed before God. Like I can't even go ask God forgiveness because he knows what he knows that I knew what I was doing when I did it. And this is the exact same thing that the people of God experienced. They, were not, they did not give themselves to sin shame-free. It does not exist. Even, even if everybody, every single person in the nation of Israel one day began to serve idols, if they were all doing it together, they all experienced the shame of their sin and the condemnation that comes along with it even if there was nobody next to them living right. Sometimes we feel guilty because we're around somebody that may be doing it right. But if, if the whole nation was serving idols, it wasn't exactly, you know, they weren't exactly going against the grain. Everybody, if everybody's doing it, everybody's doing it. But still there was shame there. 
There was the condemnation. There was the, there was the disgrace that they felt and that they brought upon themselves. The Bible tells us, and we'll read it in just a few moments in the book of Joel, but God allowed the, the, the adversaries around them time and again to, he, the Bible even say that the Lord strengthened the hand of so-and-so or uh, the, the, the armies of the nations around them, and they would come into the land of Israel, and they would, they would do their thing. They would take over, and they would, they, would, uh, um, they would ransack the city, and they would take them captive, and they would, they would, they would lord over them, and they would, uh, uh, they would overrun them as a result of their sin. There's never a time in Israel's history that when they were living for God and living in obedience to his word that they were overrun by the enemy. When they lived in obedience to the word of God, when they lived uh, in, in, in line with what God had for them, they always encountered victory. It's how they lived. They didn't know anything but victory when they lived in accordance to the word of God. And the same thing is true today. When I live in agreement and accordance to the word of God, in obedience to his word, when I love his law and I meditate upon his law and, it's, and, it, is, and it is my priority in life, that is the only way that I can have true freedom and victory in my life. But they fell into sin and as a result of their sin, Shame and disgrace. One, one, I think it's the New Living Translation uses, or, or the New Living, uh, New Life Version uses the word disgrace. They felt disgraced. They had disgraced God. They had disgraced his law. And that feeling and that weight upon them for uh, their, their actions and their disobedience, even though they knew what they were supposed to be doing, and they didn't, and they, and they fell into sin. God said, I'm gonna, for your shame, I'm going to give you double. I'm, I'm going to bless you because God, at the end of it all, when this whole thing wraps up, when the church is raptured and, and this thing is all over, God is going to make sure that he gets the last, the last uh, uh, um, uh, laugh and the last say in the life of the enemy for what the enemy has done to humanity, how the enemy has spoken against humanity and how the enemy has warred against us in our mind. Every thought, every emotion, everything that the devil has, has everything the devil has said to somebody to war against their mind, to fight against them, to try to keep them from serving God and keep them in a place of condemnation and shame and from coming back to God. God sees every time it happens. And so the way God deals with it is he says, when you come back to me, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a reward for every time you dealt with shame in your life. For shame, I'm going to give you double of what you had before. That's the kind of God that we serve tonight is he wants to bring blessing into your life when we come back to him in sincerity and with a contrite heart and we confess it to him and say, God, I want to get it right. I messed up. I, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. That God, he, he, he takes account of our life and looks at the time that I was in rebellion against him and looks at every bit of shame and condemnation that I felt upon my mind and, and in my spirit. And he says, I'm going to give you double of what you had before for the simple fact that you dealt with shame that entire time. But let's lift our hands right now and thank the Lord for what he's going to do. Lord, I thank you for your promises. 
Lord, you're going to deliver and lift the shame off of somebody's life so they can serve you without condemnation and guilt and the shame of their past. Lord, I thank you tonight. I thank you tonight. Hallelujah. Verse, let's go back to verse number four because it's important to understand what he's talking about, that there's going to be a change in the land of Israel. Verse number four, and they shall build the old, uh, the old wastes and they shall raise up the former desolations. Back in the day when they, when they would come in and ransack and destroy a city, they would just build on top of it. And because of that, I think I've said this before, the, the, the city of Jerusalem is like, I don't know, 50 or 80 feet, I forget what it is, above what it used to be in the time of Christ, in the Bible days, because it had been destroyed and then they would just build right on top of it, smooth it over and build on top of it. But the Bible says that they're going to raise again the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So no matter how many generations have been in a state of backsliding, God says when I start working, I'm going to take those old cities that were waste, that were destroyed, and I've got the, the ability to, to bring that back to life again. It doesn't matter how destroyed your life may feel like or areas of your life may feel like, God, when he gets involved, he wants to bring those old waste cities, that, that, that rubble that is just, it is just destruction and you're thinking might as well just either smooth it over and start over or just move on and, and go somewhere else. No, God has the ability to reach down into the rubble and begin to put things back together again even when it looks like it's completely destroyed. This is what God does when we let him into our lives and get him in the mix when when he begins to when we when we uh, 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 get under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we seek after him and we pursue after him that that God will begin to rebuild those desolate cities he will begin to rebuild the waste cities even if it's a generational situation God can reach into our lives and repair he can put it back together again he can do something with your life he can take the shame of your life. He can take the destruction that sin has brought in and he can repair it. He was going to do this. He wants to do this for his people. Then he goes on to say, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. What he's saying in that verse essentially is I'm going to elevate you to a place of prominence. You're going to have a place of prominence in the kingdom of God, in, in, in the spirit world. You're going to have a place of prominence in his kingdom as a part of his kingdom. And verse number six says, but ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory 
shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be upon them." Everlasting joy is going to come upon you when you thought that it was all over. You're, it may have been a long time since you really, really laughed and had the joy of the Lord in your life. But I just want to speak this word into somebody's spirit tonight that everlasting joy is going to be unto you again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. God can 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 put the joy of the Lord back into your spirit again. It may have been a long time since you really felt like you had the joy of the Lord in your life and in your walk with God. And you woke up in the morning excited to do what God had for you to do. You woke up in the morning excited because you know you knew and you know that God is on your side and He is working things out for your good and He has a great plan and a great future for you. God God wants you to know tonight that he wants to restore the joy of your salvation. He wants to restore that in your life. And for the shame, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now, for the shame that you have encountered, he wants to give you double the joy that you've had before. God is not a God that's going to give you less than you had before. But even though you might have failed him, even though you might have not done what you should have done, he's going to give you double the joy. He's going to give you double the provision. He's going to give you double the place in his kingdom before. Lift up your hands right now and just love him right now. The Lord's talking to some folks in this place right now. Hallelujah. He's a restoration God. He is a God that will restore you and restore the joy of salvation in your life. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I come against the adversary that says it's over. I come against the adversary that says you messed up and it's too bad and it's too far gone. He's going to repair the desolate cities. He's going to raise them again and bring life to it again. Hallelujah. He's going to give you double. Oh, I hear myself back there. He's going to give you double, double the joy, hallelujah, double the peace. Just whatever it is that you've missed in your life, you've got to write according to the word of God, according to his promises to say, God, your word says I'm going to get double. The enemy says there's no chance There's no chance anymore. You're not going to get it anymore. The enemy has told you the exact opposite. He's told you you're not going to get it anymore. You might as well just mark it off and maybe, maybe, just maybe you can, you, can, you can be saved and that's it. No, God's going to give you double the joy. He's going to give you double the peace. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna prosper you. The Bible says I would that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. So as your soul prospers, he's going to prosper you in every way. I'm not preaching name it and claim it. I'm not just preaching prosperity as in the materialistic things. But as your soul prospers, God is going to bless you. At the level that your soul is prospering, God can trust you with more in this life and material things if your soul is in the right condition. But as you seek after him and he fulfills his promises in your life, he's going to pour out blessing upon you. He's going to pour out the joy of the Lord in your life again. It's been a long time since you really felt good in the whole 
Holy Ghost and you've really felt liberty in the Holy Ghost and, and you really felt hungry for the things of God and you knew and you could sense that, 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 that God's hand was upon your life, it's coming back. It's coming to you and God's going to pour it out double in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People are going to see it. People are going to see it. God, it, it's going to be something that, that God shows his glory forth in your life. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fat the, the fats shall be overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God. And none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now back up I think to verse number 25. And I will restore to you the years that, that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palm worm, my great army which I sent among you. Now, I, I believe in going into the enemy's camp and taking back what he stole from you because that does happen. The enemy comes against us and he can... He can come against us, and, and, and after a while, we, we haven't laughed in a while. After a while, we haven't, we haven't, we've just been struggling. There's a time for that. But this particular instance, the great army that came against them, the Lord sent it amongst them. All of these, all this stuff to eat up their crops because they had fallen into sin. So the Lord said, no, I'm going to send it against you. If you want to live according to how you want to live, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow or I'm going to send all of these different uh, elements against you, the canker worm, the palm worm, and what it did is it just ate up the land. They had no provision. It came from God in this particular passage. There are times where the Lord, the Bible says the Lord strengthened the hand of their enemies. And there are times where it, uh, the, the Bible reads it in such a way it's like the, the enemies, they rose up and the Lord allowed them to do it. But this is interesting how the Bible says, my great army which I sent among you. God had to deal with them. And he's like, I'm going to deal. Okay, if you're going to do what you're going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to make sure you know where your source is and where it is not. And God had to let him know he was in control. You can, you can live how you want to live, but I'm going to make sure you know that I am the source and without me you have nothing. And it was ultimately the blessing to them because it was because of that that they realized God, without you, we're going to have no provision. We're going to starve. Everything's going to be a mess. It's going to be a wreck. And as the Lord tells them this, go to verse number 26. We'll read it again. 
ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. He's going to provide for them. They're going to eat in plenty. Now, this is understanding the miracle of provision back in that day is just from a mechanical standpoint, I guess. It's, it's not anything, it's not a big deal for us to preserve our food with all the modern conveniences that we have. You know, they didn't have fresh grapes on the table all the time. Did you know that, that if you go to a salad bar today in a buffet, you are eating better than the king's than kings ate in the Middle Ages and, 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 and just going back just a few hundred years and beyond that. If you ever see, if you ever seen a, 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 like a depiction of a king sitting at his table and he's got grapes and he's got all of these, all, all these, these fresh fruits and vegetables, no, no, they didn't. Kings and castles in the 1600s, 1500s, all, all back, back in the day, no, they didn't eat close to what we eat like today. If you just go to the cheapest salad bar at a, at a cheap little steakhouse. So when the Bible says you are going to eat in plenty, the, the way that the Lord poured out his blessing upon them in that day, it had to have been magnificent because of just the, the, the modern conveniences that they did not have to preserve their food and keep it the way that we do. And God told them that even though I sent this among you, when you turn back before me, when there's a move of God in the land of Israel, I'm going to pour out provision. You shall eat in plenty. It is the promise of God to his people for there to be a time of plenty. You have gone through lean times. You, I'm sure there are people in here, you've been faithful in the lean times. There's a time of plenty that's coming. I receive that tonight. There is a time of plenty that is coming. It's coming to my house. It's coming to your house. Hallelujah. It's the promise of God, and it's upon his people, and he's going to provide for his people. There's going to be blessing on his people, and besides that, his people are not going to be ashamed. You're not going to live in a disgrace, but every everybody's going to see the blessing of God upon the people of God, and they're going to see the provision of God upon the people of God, and he wants to lift you out of the place of shame and disgrace. He wants to lift Lift you out of the place of just barely making it by. But let me tell you that God is bringing this congregation into a time of plenty. He is bringing you into a place individually where he's going to lift you out of the shame and disgrace of your past. It may have been things that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't care how long it was. But there may be uh, folks here that you have carried things on your shoulders for years and years because of, of past mistakes. God wants to lift that from you. And he wants you to know that not only does he want to lift it from you, but he wants to bless you in spite of it. He will still bless you even though that you have a past that you're not proud of, even though you made mistakes that you shouldn't have made. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you double of what you had before. He still wants you to eat in plenty, and he wants you to not be ashamed. 
Praise God. He's a good God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's love him right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the provision that you're going to bring. We thank you for your blessings upon us. Hallelujah, Lord. We're going to receive it. Lord, we are going to let you take our shame and our disgrace and our condemnation. We're going to give it to you. And in trade, you're going to give us beauty for ashes. Hallelujah, Lord. You're going to give us double of what we had before. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. People are going to see you and they're going to see the blessing of God. Isaiah chapter 60, beginning with verse number one. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because of the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. This is prophetic of the gathering of God's people or gathering of people and the church of what would happen in the end times. God was pulling out and prophesying of the gathering of the Gentiles and pulling them into the kingdom of God and the prophet is telling us about what is going to be happening hundreds and hundreds of years before it would happen and as as the, the prophet speaks and as he uh, prophesies about what is going to happen uh, leading into chapter 61 uh, he brings us ultimately to the place of what he's going to do for us and what he's going to bring us into and how he's going to bless us and how he's going to take our shame from us but what well, in order for us to serve him, in order for us to love him, in order for us to have true relationship with him, we've got to be able to come to him knowing that we don't have to be ashamed. It, it, you cannot have relationship with somebody when you constantly live under a cloud of shame and condemnation for your past or for things that have gone on in your life. You you can't have, the, on, on any type of level, whether it is a, a what we would consider a, a big deal, a, a big offense, or a small offense, however you uh, uh, gauge that. In a relationship, you cannot have pure relationship if there is still embarrassment, there's still guilt, there's still shame, there's still condemnation, there's still all of the negative emotions that go with someone doing something in a relationship that they shouldn't have done. At some point, the offender has to be willing to accept and receive the forgiveness of the offended. And then from there, go on in that relationship like it never happened. That's the only way a relationship can be restored. There has to be both forgiveness 
and the receiving of forgiveness in order for it to come to a place of restoration. We understand this on this level, but where we misunderstand it is on this level. That makes sense to us here. But when it comes to our relationship with God, it's possible to carry guilt and condemnation for 50 years. Going to church, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, trying to do my best, but never really getting to a place of getting that out of the way so you can experience relationship that is pure where you can feel and know that your God loves you and he wants to bless you. You can't, you can't receive the blessing of God while living under shame and condemnation of feeling like you blew it and that was it. God doesn't love you. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. He'll never approve of you. All of the negative emotions and feelings that come along with failing God. God's people failed him time and again. It was a cycle that happened hundreds of years. But in the midst of all of that cycle, God would send a prophet prophet begin to speak to them for your shame you shall have double my people they shall eat in plenty they shall not be ashamed when God completes his work in his people he's going to bless them with double he's going to give them what they don't think they deserve he's going to raise to life the desolate cities the cities that have been destroyed and it looks like they cannot come back to life every area of your life that you have just written it off and you said it's gone not coming back it's too late no 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 that's what they thought about Jesus when they put him in a tomb but three days later he came out of the tomb and he was resurrected. That same God can resurrect any part of your life that you have written off and you thought it was dead because of said situation or whatever it is. I'm telling you, God wants to lift you out of all of that and he wants to bring you into a place of relationship that you did not think possible. If you'll be willing to come to him and give him your shame and say, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to my mind, but I will receive it and I will walk in it and I will thank you for it. That's why the Holy Ghost is the greatest gift given to man is because there's nothing we've done that, that gives us the ability to say, I earned this. No, you can never earn the Holy Ghost. There's nothing you can ever do to earn the power that he wants to give us. We just receive it and we say, thank you, Jesus, for being so good to me. That's why when I get to heaven, I know I'm not going to get, I'm not there because I did it and I worked to get there, but I've gotten a revelation of just how good he is that I used to walk in shame and condemnation and guilt but I gave it to him and he lifted me out of it even though I by my own by my own understanding I didn't deserve it I didn't work my way out of it I wasn't so good that I that I finally came to a place of deserving it but I just realized that God is so good and he is so faithful and he loves me so much that his goodness and his grace is far beyond what my brain can comprehend that he loves me with an everlasting love so much that he would be that good to me. That's how good God is. Oh, hallelujah. 
That's why there's going to be shouting. We sing. There'll be shouting on the hills of glory. We're going to be singing and shouting and worshiping because we're going to be in heaven realizing that I did nothing to earn it and quote unquote deserve it. I just received the gift of his grace, his spirit, and I was washed in his blood because he paid the penalty for me to get there. And that's why I'm going to worship him forever because I didn't deserve it. He just gave it to me and I received it and I walked in his promise and I received the blessing of his promise. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah. God wants he God God went to uh, God sent uh, his son Jesus. He he wrapped himself in flesh in Jesus Christ and came to Calvary. Because he wanted to lift your shame. Because he wanted to give you something that you could never in a million years work yourself into. If you had eternity to work for it, you could never do enough good deeds to earn and deserve his goodness. Gather with me around the front right now, if you will. I believe God wants to touch somebody tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, you're a good God. Hallelujah. God is a good God. God's people, they backslid over and over and over and over and over again. And he made sure they knew where their blessing came and didn't come from, where their provision came from and didn't come from. But when they began to turn back to him, said, for your shame, you're going to have double. You're going to have prominence in the kingdom. You're, you're going to, I'm going to bring you back to a place of restoration, of raising that up which was desolate and destroyed, and you thought it was all over. And God says, wait till I get done with it. You're going to, the, the people around you are never even going to know that you were in such a bad place because of the way I'm going to restore you and I'm going to bless you. It doesn't matter what in your life feels like it is desolate and dead and over. I've, I'm here to speak a word of faith into somebody's life to speak faith into your spirit that when you pursue after him God has the ability through the power of his spirit to begin to raise things to life that you thought were dead I wonder if you'd lift up your hands all over the room right now just as high as you can get them unto the Lord and say God I may not understand it but in the name of Jesus I want it I speak life and restoration into somebody's heart right now I speak life and restoration to those desolate cities in your spirit right now in the name of Jesus I, Lord we give you our shame right now I don't have to live like this I don't have to live under condemnation I don't have to live hiding from my past I don't have to live covering everything up God I can bring it to you and you'll cover me I'll bring it to you and you will cover my life in the name of Jesus somebody call out to him right now That's it. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 We sang it a few moments ago. There's a breakthrough in your heart. There's a breakthrough in your mind. There's a breakthrough in your spirit. There's a breakthrough in every part of who you are that's coming. When you learn and you get to the place where you can give God your shame. Where you can, you can sever the tie between you and everything you've been carrying in your life. Hallelujah. God wants to do it for you. He went to Calvary because he didn't want you to live with your head uh, uh, down low and, and live with guilt and shame and condemnation. He, he forgave you when you went into the waters of baptism. He remitted your sins. And the Bible says that we can, bring our, we can confess our sins before him and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That means I don't, I, if, if I'm walking around with my head hung low and, and I feel like I've got to do penance, I'm, I'm making Calvary of no effect. God's looking at us thinking, why are you doing that? I went to Calvary so you wouldn't have to do that. He, he, he bled and he died and he suffered so that I could come into his presence as a son of God. Hallelujah. I'm 37 years old and I walk into my parents' house and I open the fridge. Not even, if I'm not even hungry. Just a habit. And even at 37, my dad's never said, hey, stop. There's just a, it's dad's house, mom's house, just. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be able to walk into his presence. Say, God, I need some joy tonight. Yeah. Lord, I need a blessing tonight. You didn't have to do anything to deserve it. You didn't. He knows what your past is. He know what you. He knows what you did that you shouldn't have done or didn't do that you should have done. He knows all that stuff, but he still wants you to come into his house as a son. That that lives in the house. When you live in the house and you you have that relationship, there are certain advantages to the relationship. There are certain things he he really expects you. I've never asked my dad. Hey, dad, can I use your restroom? Yeah, back there. Get the Dr. Peppers. There's sonship. There's a relationship there that because of that relationship, there are certain things that I can just get. I don't even have to ask for. God wants you to have that with him. He wants you to have that with him. Lift up your hands right now to the Lord. Somebody needs to receive that revelation right now. He, you need to receive that right now. Lord, you want us to have that relationship with you. 
where I don't have to come with my head hung low. Lord, if I've sinned, I can come and I can confess it. And Lord, you receive, you receive my confession and you forgive me in the name of Jesus. And you will empower me and you will bless me. And you've got a blessing for me. And I can ask you for a blessing. And I, I can ask you for joy and for peace and for restoration. And I can ask you for the things that I need. And you're going to give it to me because I'm your son and you are my father. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to walk in shame and condemnation. But Lord, I am your son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We might just be in this vein for a little while because God's going to get it into our spirit and it's going to change the way you worship. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you respond to God. It's going to change the way you walk in those back doors when it's time to come worship God. There's some of you that are apprehensive to really worship God. And the reason is is because you haven't had a real breakthrough in how you view your relationship with God and how much he really loves you. When you get that breakthrough, you really get revelation in your spirit. You'll realize that God will use you to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover even though you're not perfect. That the anointing of the Holy Ghost will rest upon you and he will use you in the kingdom and give you a place in the kingdom. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Let's just love him right now. I'm done. Let's just... Let's just love him together one more time before you go tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you're going to take our shame and you want to bless us. You're going to give us double. We're going to eat in plenty. We are going to be blessed. We are going to prosper. Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are going to prosper your people. Hallelujah. You're going to take our shame. And for our shame, we shall have double. For every time the devil attacked us, God, you're going to bless us with double. For every time the enemy harassed us, you're going to bless us with double. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, let's clap our hands to him and give him praise together right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, praise God, praise God. Let's remember our fasting.